Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about lateral hip pain. I know this is something that you see quite often in your office, and it doesn't matter if you're an FNP, PA, orthopedic surgeon, or physical therapist. We see this quite often. Um, So today what I want to do is I want to break this up a little bit, talk about different sources of lateral hip pain, and uh, give you a little explanation on how we would generally manage some of these issues. But before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Hello and welcome back and uh, today we're going to be talking about lateral hip pain. Thanks for staying with me. Uh, I know that this can be frustrating. It's a very difficult diagnosis to treat on occasion and um, you know one of the things that we look at is why do people have lateral hip pain? And we often, you know, jump to the greater trochanteric bursa as the area of the source of pain, but it's not always the uh, the cause or the source. So, um, you know, we, we see this definitely more in women than we do men. And I think hip habitus and, uh, you know, uh, position along with knee positioning uh, is a contributing factor. And it's usually seen in people who are 50 to 75 years old. But if you see it in younger folks, you know, I've seen this in teenagers, we need to be thinking in a little different direction. So we're going to go piece by piece with some of these different diagnoses that we're going to talk about today and um, just give you some idea on how we evaluate these, what we look for, and, um, you know, how we manage them. So the first thing I want to talk about is greater trochanteric bursitis. Obviously, this is what everybody says, you know, when uh, they say, I have I have pain in the lateral side of the hip, it hurts when I poke that, um, and it seems like everybody gets diagnosed with this. But in all reality, uh, that bursa that sits there on the lateral greater trochanteric region uh, is not always a source of pain. That can become inflamed, it can become swollen can cause some discomfort, and we know for a fact that the uh, bursa is a very big pain generator. So um, nothing wrong with trying to treat that, but we shouldn't always um, default to the greater trochanteric bursa. Why do people get it? It can happen uh, with trauma to the area. Uh, Some people, if they uh, lay on a surface that is a little too hard, can agitate that bursa just like a prepatellar bursa or a retrocalcaneal bursa. They're very easy to irritate um, just with uh, too much compression. The IT band uh, can rub on the area and cause some irritation there and, uh, and and get it inflamed. The other thing that I see quite often with people with greater trochanteric bursitis 
is they have a flat foot, um, usually more so on that side than the other side. So I've, it's not uncommon for me to treat these folks with some sort of an orthotic, either a temporary orthotic that helps to support the medial arch or a, a, a custom orthotic for those people who are really flat-footed and have a hard time controlling uh, that foot. Then I also look for a leg length discrepancy because, as I have said in some of the programs in the past, like uh, on plantar fasciitis, we know that the long leg is usually the one that causes plantar fasciitis. Well, we also know that the long leg will also produce a flatter foot on that side. So if the foot is flatter uh, on that side, it's going to give you more pressure on the greater trochanteric burst in the lateral side of the hip. So that's why I like to put orthotics on these folks. People with true greater trochanteric bursitis do really, really well with uh, injections, you know, corticosteroid to that area can be very, very helpful. Uh, modalities in therapy can help to bring blood flow to the area, can help improve the mobility of the soft tissues around the hip so there's not so much tightness uh, driving that bursa into uh, the uh, lateral greater trochanteric region. Um, so uh, soft tissue modalities to the area can be helpful. Um, I'm big on trying to optimize IT band flexibility and ultimately trying to build strength, quadriceps strength, glute strength, uh, and slowly work on that lateral hip strength um, progressively over time uh, because we know that a weak glute uh, can also contribute to greater trochanteric bursitis. Um, but again, quickest relief, injection to that area. But if somebody uh, gets an injection and it doesn't get better or over you know a reasonable amount of time, like six to eight weeks, they're not showing improvement. Movement, you need to be thinking in a different direction. And that's where I'm going to go on to the next one here, number two, which is a glute medius or a glute minimus tear. Now, I'm, I really put this podcast up because I've had so many patients lately with tears of the glute minimus and glute medius um, that I said, I've got, you know, I've got to talk about this and uh, bring this out. And I think it, be, it is very undiagnosed because oftentimes we don't do a lot of diagnostic imaging or testing uh, because of lateral hip pain, because we always assume it's a bursitis. But if somebody's not getting better in a reasonable amount of time, maybe they've had an injection and they got very short-term relief, a couple days maybe, and it came back and it's still very, very tender, um, then you need to be somewhat suspicious that they could have a tear of the glute medius, glute minimus tendon. Now, how can you clinically identify this? Um, and how, how can you differentiate between a bursitis and a tear. Well, one of the things is take the patient, put them on their side and test hip abduction and test the glute medius muscle. And they will have discomfort if they have a tear there or if they have a tendonitis of that glute uh, medius muscle. Whereas people with bursitis don't generally have as much discomfort with uh, resisted abduction. So palpation will also be quite tender. They'll usually have tenderness that goes down the IT band uh, because that swelling and inflammation will get that whole sheath of a tissue and uh, become quite painful. So if you're suspicious of a tear and you identify weakness of the glute medius and glute minimus, um, you probably should have an MRI of the hip to uh, rule this out. And we have found this uh, on two separate ladies here just recently. Uh, one went about seven years before having it identified and three uh, orthopedic visits um, until uh, we became very persistent about getting an MRI and finally had one to identify that she had uh, quite a large glute uh, medius tendon tear. And so those have to be addressed a little differently. They need to see a hip specialist and um, those patients will do well with uh, surgery 
uh, either uh, open or uh, arthroscopic surgery. And uh, But it needs to be identified. Otherwise, it will go on and on and on. And these people will be miserable. They'll have difficulty walking. They'll have difficulty doing stairs and uh, can be quite painful. So send these people over to ortho and um, get uh, get them evaluated. Number three, another source of lateral hip pain. So if we migrate up a little bit from the uh, from the greater trochanteric bursa and you get up to the iliac crest, it's not uncommon for people to develop an iliac crest apophysitis. Okay, so they can they can develop some uh, periosteal inflammation where the glute medius attaches. Um, sometimes from overuse, it could be overpronation at the foot. Um, it could be doing a lot of running. Uh, maybe a an aggressive lateral uh, step that caused a real hard aggressive pull of the glute medius on that region and uh, then it becomes inflamed well you need to remember every single time you take a step your glute medius has to contract to help hold your hip from shifting laterally and so these folks here can have quite a bit of discomfort on that iliac crest if they've taken a big blow or they've uh, really aggressively taken off and maybe they're osteoporotic um, or, uh, you know, they're, they're that, that fair-skinned, blue-eyed, um, freckled, uh, you know, person, those people have uh, lower bone density and they can actually uh, avulse that area and have a fracture. Um, so if you're palpating that iliac crest, Uh, and they're quite tender, they may be swollen over the area, they have pain when they're walking, those folks need to be seen by an orthopedist, x-rays need to be taken, and uh, sometimes they are taken out of their activities, Uh, it could be uh, walking activities, it could be sports and running, Um, but they need to be rested and uh, sometimes immobilized. Uh, So, if you, if you have iliac crest discomfort on the lateral side, they have pain with resistance to the uh, hip abductors, they have pain with walking, and uh, they have some swelling in there, uh, you need to be thinking in the direction of an iliac crest apophysitis or maybe even an avulsion fracture. So before we go on, uh, we're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsors. Please stay with me. We're going to, uh, we have uh, three more uh, areas that I want you to focus on before uh, we end our show today. So um, please stay tuned. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better, faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit easyslant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show today. Uh, lateral hip pain is, is one of these, uh, you know, difficult uh, areas to treat and uh, oftentimes hard to diagnose because there are so many different things that can cause lateral hip pain. Number four, the, the next thing I want to talk about is an L5 nerve root compression. And you're all like, what? Uh, for those of you who listen to my um, podcast, Superset on nerve root compressions in the L5 one, we talk about this. Um, it's not uncommon for somebody with an L5 nerve root to have lateral hip discomfort. It's actually quite common. And, and, and I find this very often with people, especially if you do a straight leg raise test with them and you dorsiflex the foot and they say, oh my gosh, you know, my, the outside of my hip is killing me. 
that is a very good sign they could have an L5 nerve root compression. If you flex the knee and that pain goes away, you know it's coming from that nerve root irritation. So it's one that gets missed quite often. And actually, I've if I had a nickel for every time somebody had a greater trochanteric bursa injection, um, when they actually had an L5 nerve root compression, I'd be a rich man. Um, and so you need to make sure that you do a straight leg raise with these people. If you are doing a straight leg raise, they should not be getting tension on the IT band or greater trochanteric bursa. But if they do have pain in the lateral side of the hip, you need to recognize that nerve root compression could be causing this. So that would be, a, usually it's a L5 nerve root compression that will give you that discomfort. Um, and usually goes away once you um, take them out of that straight leg raise position. Number five, a labral tear. Now, typically, you think about an intra-articular labral tear as something that will cause you some discomfort in the groin, kind of like a hip arthritis, uh, but they classically complain of pain in a C-shaped fashion. So imagine taking your, we're going to talk about the left hip right now. You take your left hand and you make a C with your thumb and index finger and you take that hand and you place the hand on your hip just below the iliac crest so that the thumb is in the front just below the ASIS and the uh, index finger is on the glute medius area and it produces kind of like a C-type position on the lateral side of the hip that's a common presentation when you ask a patient, well, where is your pain? And they, they put their hand in that position. They put it on the lateral side of their hip. And they say it kind of hurts like in this, in this area here. Um, and so you need to be thinking of a labral tear. So it's not a bad idea to do a scour test uh, to the hip. See if there's any clicking or, or reproduction of the lateral hip pain when you do that. Because labral tears uh, can present themselves this way. And um, again, very difficult to, to tell, but if you know that, you know, this may be a young person, they don't have hip arthritis, they don't have any signs of ephemeral acetabular impingement, but you're somewhat suspicious of a labral tear, they probably slipped on uh, some wet surface and uh, felt a snapping or a popping inside the joint. Um, these folks are going to need an MRI, they're going to need an orthopedic consult, and typically these MRIs should be done with um, some contrast, and uh, it should be a myelogram so that you can pick up that labrum a little bit better. Um, but a labral tear can also cause some discomfort on the lateral side of the hip. Um, okay, number six, let's talk about IT band friction syndrome or, uh, or you know pain with a tensor fascia lata. These structures attach uh, close to the lateral side of the hip if they become very taut. Uh, they're not very flexible and they'll cause compression uh, to that outer side. So, you know, if somebody has a genuvalgus type knee posture or they have a pes planus type foot, they're probably going to get a little more friction on that greater trochanteric uh, region and um, on that tubercle and cause some irritation to the tensor fascia lata and IT band. They could become spasmed. Uh, and these folks can do really well with, you know, some soft tissue mobilization, improving the mobility maybe some foam rolling to the lateral uh, IT band and um, tensor fascia lateral region, improving the mobility of the glute medius. These folks can actually, and I've seen this work really well, they can do really well with dry needling. Um, and oftentimes uh, in a an orthotic, either a temporary or a custom orthotic to get a better foot alignment. I try to get these folks to avoid uh, laying on that side, especially if their mattress is a little on the hard side. Um, so those are some, you know, six different reasons why people can have lateral hip pain. There are all kinds of other uh, reasons like, you know, fractures and things like that. But those those are typically traumatic and get identified, um, you know, in, in the 
emergency room or in an orthopedic office. Uh, but, uh, you know, keep an eye on these other things. Don't forget that uh, it is not always trochanteric bursitis. So, folks, if you have any questions about lateral hip pain, please feel free to contact me at orthoevalpal.com. I'd be more than happy to uh, respond to your um, questions. And if you have any other topics uh, relating to the hip or any other part that you'd like me to chat about uh, on podcast, uh, please let me know. We've got some more uh, hip information coming up. Uh, our next podcast, we're actually going to be talking about um, how to perform an evaluation, how to write your initial evaluation note. And I'm going to try to help give you some order and some process to that. So again, folks, um, make sure you stay tuned to Ortho Valpal. If you haven't already gone to our YouTube channel, you'll find a link in the notes today. And uh, make sure you go there, you subscribe. We're going to start doing some premieres here soon so that you can listen to the uh, YouTube video at the same time that I'm listening to the YouTube video so you can ask some questions and I can help answer those um, to that. So this is going to be something new we're going to try and I think that'll uh, be great. So uh, folks, again, thank you for listening and uh, take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.